All right, hope you guys are doing good. We're back with another edition of KC Music Talk. Today, my guest is a vocalist here in Kansas City, uh, Gary Gardner. How are you doing? Good to see you, Rob. Yeah, it's good to see you. I think I, I probably met you at a jam somewhere. I don't know where the heck that yes, would have been. No, it would have been at the uh, Phoenix. Probably at the Phoenix. At the yeah, Phoenix. yeah, with... Uh, with Millie or, or with no, Everett, maybe? It was Everett. Yeah, right. Everett Devane. Long yeah. time ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and then I know uh, you and I got to play, or you asked me to come play outside the, um, not Sandstone. Starlight. Starlight. Yeah, yes. yeah, with uh, Alan, Alan Monroe, and, yeah. and uh, that was really nice. Thanks for offering yeah. me the gig. And uh, so for, for some people that uh, don't know you, tell, tell us a little bit about kind of the the before times, the now, you know, before now of oh, what you okay. kind of did in the music well, business. Well, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, mm -hmm. a little town called Chevrolet, Maryland, Prince George's County, northeast of D.C., and uh, got interested in music early on as a child. I, I had little shows in the neighborhood with my mm -hmm. playmates, <laughs> and I was always the producer and probably the person that was out front all the time. Mm -hmm. But they seemed to enjoy it. And then uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, there was a contest at a country music festival down in Warrington, Virginia, which is just south of D.C. Mm -hmm. And the prize was two weeks on the Jimmy Dean radio show. Mm -hmm. And I won it. But I wasn't there for two, we two weeks. Mm -hmm. I was there for two years because the mothers kept writing in, get the kid back on. That's awesome. That's right. And uh, during those two years, I probably was mentored by some of the best people in country music. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the Marty Robbins mm -hmm. and Jimmy himself. Uh, and we had a girl singer who became a star on the show singing Crazy. Mm -hmm. Her name was Patsy Cline. Oh, wow. She was yeah. from Nassus, Virginia. It was really funny. That whole area there, which we refer to as the Delmarva Peninsula, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, mm -hmm, Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., was bluegrass. Mm -hmm, it was right. a bluegrass haven. And Patsy started out in bluegrass. In fact, her first record was Blue Moon of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And then she got a contract with Mercury Records, which isn't even in business anymore, mm -hmm. and recorded Crazy. And that became the start off of her career. Too bad she didn't last too long because mm -hmm. she was, of course, skilled in that plane crash. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, I got to meet lots of different people. And one day a fellow walked in and I was playing an old silver tone Sears guitar. Mm -hmm. And it had no tone at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, he walks up and he says, son, you need a better guitar. Mm -hmm. And he thrust this thing out to me. And it was a D28 Rosewood Martin, 1953, mm -hmm. brand new. Mm -hmm. Because Martin guitars at the time, and Gibson, were giving their guitars to these country music people so that they would play them on the air sure. or in a concert and people would go out and buy them. Yeah. Well, you can imagine what that's worth today. Yeah. Right. And his name was Marty Robbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. Those are the people I was meeting. That was neat. That's neat. Yeah, so... So what did, what did you learn on the show then? How to perform. Mm -hmm. Not to sing, not to play my guitar, mm -hmm. but how to perform. 
In other words, handling the middle ground between the songs. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy was probably as, as good at that as anybody. And in fact, he got so good that when he had his show on CBS later on, the Muffets were on that show. Mm -hmm. Because right. he was a draw. He was yeah. a draw. People, people liked him. He always ended the show by saying, God bless you and everybody at your house. Mm -hmm. That was his line. Yeah. Now, the people who know Jimmy Dean now think of the breakfast food. <laughs> okay, but he, Jimmy was a lot more than that breakfast food. Right, right. I get, I get the impression every time I go watch, like, Louis Armstrong, uh, Bing Crosby, you know, I mean, uh, you know, they're... Their eyes on the audience, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're like really, really engaged. And I, every time I watch you, I notice that you do that, you yes. know, and I do that very poorly, especially when I'm playing, you know, eyes closed into myself, uh -huh. you yes. know, and, and there, there's moments that that's okay. You know, a handful of times throughout the show, but, um, uh, Lonnie McFadden, we talked about him a little bit earlier before the show started. He, he does that fabulously. The, the yes. audience uh, focus. Yes. You know, um, do you do you find that a lot of people are sort of in, you know, or into themselves? You, you mean know, introverted? Well, no, well, that too. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but when they're on stage, you know, they're, they're just kind of not worried about all this crap out here and they should be? Or That is correct. In yeah. other words, they are so into themselves and the way they play that they don't even know the audience is out there. Mm -hmm. And the audience is not paying attention. Mm -hmm. You have to make the audience engage and then you have to hold them in the palm of your hand. And that's mm -hmm. what Lonnie does so well. Right. And 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 so and there's a lot of people that are good at that, but yes. uh, but um, and so and the other thing that you mentioned a couple minutes ago is the idea of the between songs kind of stuff. Yes. Right. And my buddy does that fantastically that I play with. Like uh -huh. he's just yapping jokes yeah. to them, and they're and they're you know they're they're really looking at him. Oh, and yeah. Like, uh, do you? Are there some people that can get better at that, or is that everyone something that... can learn to get better at that? Yeah, it's called presence. Mm -hmm. uh, in the business world, it's called executive presence. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you look like you should be the boss? Mm -hmm. Is very that's right. very important. So no, but from a musician standpoint, if you can finish the song and go, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you really enjoyed that song. And the next song I'm going to do, I think I t should tell you a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. That's that presence. That it leads the people from one point to the other without leaving them wondering what you're going to do next. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a sin mm -hmm. for most mm -hmm. musicians, is that they lose touch with the audience. Right. And then they have to get it back again and back again and back again. Yeah, I wonder uh, that I've said this on the show a couple of times that what's the and, and shtick is a bad word, but there's some like and I always use the example of kiss. Right. So they do the the tongue, right, the Gene Simmons tongue and they've got the fire and the lights and, the, you know, and and the costume. Right. And that's that's how they grab you, you know, is all this not, you know, all this stuff. Right. And then other. uh other groups might have a very, very good-looking lady front singer or something, you yes. know, and that's how they're grabbing you. My buddy does jokes, 
you know, yeah. and that's how he's grabbing you. Do you think that there, there's probably not a best, but, but you're, are, are you saying that the grabbing is the point? The, the holding, the holding is, is, the is point. yeah, yeah. Not the grabbing. Mm-hmm. Well, not the grabbing, but, but, but something yeah. like, something like this. So I'm so glad you're enjoying this. And am I in the right vein for you? Because when I sing at the senior living places, which is what I'm doing now, I'm asking the audience all the time, do you have any favorites you'd mm-hmm. like to hear? Yeah. And they're just blown away when I can do this old song from the 40s that means so much to them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a whole nother deal with the requests. Yeah. Because as musicians, yeah, I mean, you've done this for years. I mean, yeah. you know, that requests can request can send you down a rabbit hole pretty bad, you know, pretty quick, but it can be great yeah. too, right? Well, I think you'll enjoy this. So I'll ask somebody if they have a favorite song, and they'll say, well, it really doesn't make any difference to me. Well, that's the first line of the song that I'm going to sing to them. It really don't make no difference to me what song you sing, I'll listen anyway. Mm. It's basically eight-bar blues. Right. So, and I'll use that sometimes to get that, in, that energy started with them thinking about what their favorite song was. Mm-hmm. Because their favorite song will always be something at the top of the barrel, not the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Because when they think of Frank Sinatra, they think of what song? Mm-hmm. My, my Way, my way. Fly, fly Me to the Moon, yeah, et cetera, yeah, Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Not things like, I've grown accustomed to your face, yeah. even though he covered it. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So like, so you kind of, you you've done. So what was this Tony DePardo orchestra? Okay, well so is I that came, before now. Yeah, I came to Kansas City in 1978 mm-hmm. as a direct director of sales for the Convention and Bureau Visitors Bureau, mm. which is now known as Visit KC, and was living downtown at the Muehlbach Hotel mm-hmm. before my family moved down. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you know anything about downtown Kansas City at that time, but there was only one other place to eat besides the hotel at night, mm. Italian gardens. Mm. And so I would gravitate over to Italian gardens and I got to having a conversation with Mrs. Lapari, who was the lady on the desk where you pay your bill. Mm. And she's asking me about my background and everything and the music came up. And she goes, Carl, get over here. Carl DeCapo. Mm. And so he came over, and I started singing on weekends, Friday and Saturday night, with my guitar, strolling the restaurant, asking the people what they'd like to hear. Mm-hmm. One, e- one evening, Tony DePardo and Dodie, his wife, came in for dinner. And there was a family table at the front of the restaurant where his special guests would sit. Mm-hmm. And so he had them sitting there, and he waves me over. And, uh, and I said, yeah. And she said, uh, "Why don't you? Can you sing our, our theme song?" I said, "What do you mean your theme song? I didn't know anything about Tony DePardo Orchestra or anything like that, or, any, or his playing with the Chiefs or any of that type." Mm-hmm. But so I said, "What would you like to hear?" She says, "We'll play our theme song." And I said, "You'll have to give me the title because I just ca- got to Kansas City." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Chip's Sentimental Journey," and I went, "Do do do do." going to take a sentimental journey. And she elbows Tony in the gut and he says, you can't let this vocalist get away. Mm-hmm. And I spent 25 years as his boy singer. Wow. And that's, that's 
how I got started in Kansas City as a musician. Wow, that's really neat. And do, were you saying that you were the guy that was kind of the front for that mm -hmm. group, right? Yes, yeah. I would introduce him. Let's say we were playing mm -hmm. out at John Knox Village at the Pavilion mm -hmm. for a tea dance. And I'd come on and say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the tea dance mm -hmm. at the Pavilion. The music today is by the Tony DiPardo organization. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Music of Kansas City. Tony DiPardo, dun, 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 dun. Right. come out. Right, yeah, yeah. And he loved it, but he would always ask me, so how are you going to introduce me? I said, Tony, if I tell you, you know I'm going to change it. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it's just, it just, it's moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really but neat. But he like, got to the point where he liked that. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's really neat. The, the, like we've already, we've already kind of talked about, so many people are bad at that, man. I'm terrible at that. My buddy's great at yeah. you know he'll well, just you know start yapping yeah. and it you just, have well. to just let yourself go because if you talk about what you know, mm -hmm. you can't make a mistake. Right. Yeah. If you start thinking about what you want to say, you'll fall over your words. Mm -hmm. That's why your buddy is so good at it, and you're afraid to do it. Mm -hmm. Not a, yeah. I don't mean fear yeah, wise. I know, but I do you know what, what I'm talking. Yeah. About. Okay. Well, the the that's got to be exactly like speeches. Well, it is. I know I could get up and talk about music to 300 people. It'd be easy, you know? Sure. What do you want to know? You know That's you because you it, know yeah. the you know subject. It. Yeah. Well, the other part of my business here in Kansas City is called Full Voice. Mm -hmm. I'm a vocal communication trainer. Mm -hmm. And I help business people sound like they know what they're saying. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Okay. The number one fear is speaking in public. The number two dear... The number two dear... Sometimes I fall over my words. Mm -hmm. The number two fear is what you and I are doing right now is just talking back and forth. Mm. But happen to be doing it in front of a camera. Yeah. So we might be a little bit nervous. <laughs> okay. So I help people introduce themselves well so that they can get other people to talk to them and possibly do some business together. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for 27 years. That's, re that's really neat. So... So how many people, how many people come in, come in and meet with you that are like, like ridiculously fearful? I mean, you probably get kind of grades. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. Yeah, because they have been told over the years that speaking in public is hard. Mm. Because our culture constantly says that to people. Mm. You'll hear parents say, well, we just don't do that in our family. Hmm. And so the kids get that feeling. Hmm. And my parents never said things like that. So I never got that feeling. Okay. If I wanted to do something, my mother said, sounds good, let's go. Right. A lot of parents go, no, wait a minute, you might make us look bad. Hmm. Yeah, and so the look bad thing, I wonder if a lot of, I mean, I've told this to my students a lot, it's the judgment thing. You know, you're, you're there and you're worried about this judgment from the crowd. And exactly. It's like... Well, it's fear of being good that people are really having mm, fun. Not screwing up. Not screwing yeah, up, a but being so good that they ask them to do it again and again and again and that's again. That's interesting, yeah, And yeah. that's what happens in business. Because if you do it well, they want you to be the spokesperson. Hmm. And what I've done over the years is build spokespersons within companies, mm. major corporations in Kansas City, governmental agencies. Mm. I can't mention who they are, but... Or I'd have to kill you. Yeah, or you'd have to kill me. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think the stage fright thing is just hilariously fascinating. 
that it just with all musicians. Well, that's you because know, that's, yeah. the people come in with this wrong impression mm -hmm. of what communication is in mm -hmm. general. When you walk out your door in the morning, you are speaking in public. You're right. Yeah, you're in public. On the telephone, one-on-one, yeah, yeah, yeah. -on -one, yeah. or in front of groups. Right. And there really isn't any difference in the voice you should use, but most people have three different voices. They have a telephone voice that sounds like this, hello. Then when they know who it is, they go, oh, hi, how are you? And that's their real voice. <laughs> and then when they have to get up in front of a group of people, they establish this. Yeah, sound. it's all of a sudden a but different. But you don't need three voices. Yeah. It's all of a sudden fake, too. Oh, yeah. You know, that third one you talked oh, about, yeah. all of a sudden they change. And because I've been telling my students about if, you, if you're getting up in front of people with a song that you played for the last five months, it's way different than, you know, you guys dropping a tune on me from the 40s that I don't even know about. You know, it's right. way different feeling. And so I keep right. telling, and, but that's back to the what you were talking about, about talk about stuff you know. Same problem. Play you, what you, you know. play what you, as soon right. as you play what you know, you're like, Come on, you did this at home literally two days ago, okay. and it was pretty darn good. Just play it. But with you your know? experience as that thing we did at Starlight, mm -hmm. okay, we did a song. You knew what to throw in there when it was time for your solo. Right. Not You didn't even have to know the specific And that's song. different, right? That's, that's different. That's totally. different. I mean, because right. I didn't know the song, but I knew, you know, okay, here we go. Here, hey, shuffle again. The, here we go. Here's you know, the like, progression. Right. Right. Yes, right, and so that's still experience, you know. But uh, but that's what I tell them, and and that's that's what you said is is the talking about what you know, and uh, you 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 know you know about business or whatever the thing is that you're about ready to you oh, know, yeah. and kind of encouraging people to have that uh, yeah com confidence is something else. It's just yeah. a it's just a hilarious thing in the in our world. Right, but confidence comes. From rehearsal and rehearsal and mm -hmm. rehearsal yeah. and rehearsal. Now everybody thinks that these great uh, athletes practice. No, they don't. They rehearse and rehearse and rehearse until mm. it becomes part of them. Right. Uh, LeBron James actually made a comment one mm -hmm. day that nobody can steal the ball from me because it's attached to me. Yeah. Right, so if right. you watch LeBron play, the only time the ball gets stolen is when the guy who he's passing to isn't looking. Mm -hmm. yeah. It never comes off of his right. hand. That's rehearsal. Yeah. And so what I do is I tell people to rehearse their talk, but never say the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. Just talk about their talk. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes real, like our conversation here. Right. I'm not thinking ahead about how I should right. answer the question. Yeah. I'm talking about what I know. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's major league muscle memory. Oh. Is what they're doing. You know, music, we do that all the time, too. Well, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this woman today was over at this nursing home where I was playing. She said, how do you just change chords without thinking? <laughs> I said, because of the right chords. And I know what the right chords are. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. With your, so you were talking about, tell me a little bit more about your coaching thing that you've been doing is there you so you were saying before the show that what what's a common thing that happens when they come in i mean is it really the fear like you said is that probably the most well i have to thing? determine what the fear is right right not fear in general right in other words i'll ask the person what is it that bothers you most when you have to be up in front 
Well, I worry about forgetting what I'm going to say. Mm. I said, well, that's the problem. You're thinking too much. So we will talk about how we can do that a little bit during that, what I call the free <coughs> hour of vocal assessment mm -hmm. to make it cool. Mm -hmm. All right. And at the end of that hour, they know what I can do to help them. Then it's up to them to make the decision whether or not they want to work with me or not. Right. And what happens is that most of the people I get as clients are not those people who came in for the free hour. It's somebody they told the story about mm. who, because they had the money, called me back and said, I was talking to John Jameson the other day and he said that you could help me. Well, who are you? I'm the president of whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you got to diagnose oh, yeah. what, their, what their problem is first. And do you get like, so here's a teaching thing is that a lot of times in my business with these kids is that they like music, but the parents sort of making them and the kid sometimes, you know, really wants it. Yeah, I suck at this. I want to get way better, you know, and they have the self-motivation. Yes. Yours is probably different because you're getting quite a few adults, I'm, I would imagine, you know. Cause uh, I'm, the I'm, majority of people right. I work with are adults. Yeah, so do you get the impression that when people come to you, they, they really actually do want the advice? Or what, what, they how hope they want to, <laughs> and they're worried about what does this cost? You're sure. Of course, right. I don't tell them that up front. Yeah, I take them through the whole process, the whole exercise regimen that I require that they do. Mm -hmm. How do you rehearse all these different things? And at the end, I say, now you probably like to have the sixty-four thousand dollar question answer. Mm -hmm. How much does this cost? And you, it's not cheap. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I'm working with professionals, mm -hmm. okay? And I say, but you have no decision to make today. They know that when they come in. They have, don't have to make a decision to work with me. Right. That takes the onus off of them. Yeah. Sometimes when they, have, when they hear the price, they're a little bit shook up. Sure. But it's, we have to be reasonable with this. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, if it has value, it has worth. Mm -hmm. It's just like I tell the the people at the senior living places. The reason this is my price is that I bring you real value. I make your residents feel good. Mm -hmm. In effect, I do music therapy without a degree. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what you're doing, huh? Yeah. It's a little bit of music therapy. I mean, is that what... And that, that, that leads to another question. Is... Should that be the goal with everyone? In in a in a way, you know, what, I mean, it, like like what every, should be the goal? Every show should be not therapy, but but I mean, every show should have make that you feel good. Make you yes, feel good. Them, yeah, the, the, audience the audience needs to yeah, feel yeah. good. Yeah, I think yeah. some people lose that. Mm. I, I lose that sometimes. I, I know I'm bad at that sometimes because yeah. it gets self absorbed. You know, look at this line. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, here's know. another thing I do yeah. when I go to the senior places. As I'm setting up, once I get all set up, because I've got my guitar and everything to un unpack mm. and that type of thing, is I'll walk around to the people who are waiting to be entertained and introduce myself. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, so what kind of music do you like? That sets my whole show. Mm -hmm. I don't see that happening very often. Mm -hmm. Well, country and western. 
Well, country and westerns. <laughs> yeah, but or we, we we play both kinds. Yeah, country, <laughs> country and western. Yes. Anyways, I love that. That's my favorite line from the Blues Brothers. I love that line. Um, what? Tell me a little bit about a little bit more about your Sinatra show that you were talking sure. about. For the senior living places with more expansion of people. In other words, if they have a lot of residents, yeah. then I'll offer a 90-minute Sinatra show where I bring my trio into play mm-hmm. yeah. behind me, and we do everything. We do songs from the entire Sinatra book. Mm-hmm. Of any Now, you have to be really careful with this because Sinatra covered everything. Yeah. But there are certain songs that were signature for Frank. Mm-hmm. When he came back for his second career, after he retired, then the song was Let Me Try Again. Well, there are certain people that know that song and it turns them on. And then there are certain people who just want to hear Got You Under My Skin. Mm -hmm. But at the end, you have to end with My Way. Sure, yeah, yeah. And so, this is one thing that's interesting too is that what, in Kansas City, I get the impression that Kansas City, in general, is fairly traditional, like maybe compared to New York. Oh, yeah. I get the impression that in New York is new, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to me that when you go to, like, hear a lot of a lot of the blues jams, for example, they're doing all old standards. Oh, yeah. Right? You go to all the jazz jams, they're doing all of me, they're doing Night in Tunisia, they're, they're doing jazz standards out of the real book. Yeah. Um... Country is the same way. I hardly hear any new country here. It's yeah. all uh, well. When I do country, Folsom Prison, it's, but, it's yeah, that kind exa- of stuff. You know, that's like, exactly what I was going to say. Not Folsom right, Prison, right. songs that everybody knows. Right, right, yeah. and and so and rock is the same way. I hear mm-hmm. a lot of '70s stuff, which is great. I love that. You know, I love all that stuff. And do you get what? What do you think about the? people that want to hear the stuff that they're really familiar because you, you were talking about asking them what they want mm-hmm. it's not about what you want it's what they want well, and what do you do you have any opinions about like I guess, I guess you sort of already answered this about that that's great you just play what they want they're comfortable with it yay oh yeah you know? and, yeah. and so like because that in my generation, once in a while, that that frustrates people, and especially people younger than me, mm-hmm. uh, is that you know they want new, 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 and right. not their same old, you know, and like right. because I don't. Well, you have to understand, my market is mm-hmm. seventy-five to ninety. Right, right. Okay, well, I know all the songs within that genre, sure. so it's not difficult for me to do a program of half country. And half Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. It depends on what they want. Right. Now, I don't know all the Peter, Paul, and Mary, but I know the most important ones. Right, right. Blowing in the Wind. Mm-hmm. Puff the Magic Dragon. Stuff, stuff like that. Right. Same right. thing with the Kingston Trio. Mm-hmm. Where Have All the Flowers Gone? Right. Tom Dooley. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get much deeper than that. And right. they're really happy. Sure, yeah. Because nobody else is doing it. Right, all right. Well, when are you coming back? I said, tell the management. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's always what you want. You want the audience to go, hey, go tell that. Uh, yeah, and that's tell that owner guy. That's why I work three at least three times a week. Yeah, that's now. great. So yeah, yeah, the so 
So speaking of that, this is something that all of us musicians, because this is a show kind of for musicians and other people, but for musicians to get some more advice, and this is something that literally everyone is struggling with, is kind of, do I push really hard from the time I'm 20 to try to be a full-time musician? Or do we have to go find our, you know, consulting company or our, you know, do teach a bunch of lessons so I can gig on the side or find okay. my UPS job or whatever, you know, to yeah. supplement the income? Um, what what's what's your? Because I've heard different opinions of that. Yeah. Some people say take a year and literally just sit there and practice eight hours a day and then you'll have it and you started and now you can be this, you know, you'll be good enough to get a big gig with somebody as right. a studio guy or whatever. And then other people say, go, you know, go solidify your living first and then you'll be able to yeah. do anything you love to do because you'll have that money in play. What's, what's yeah. your opinion? Less than 1% of the people who make it, excuse me, I should say, of the people who make it, they fall into that 1%. 99% of the people who try that don't succeed. So the way that I was instructed that you do this is you get a job, like I was in sales mm -hmm. with a number of companies, and you play on the weekends. Right. Now, if you hit it hard and somebody really likes you, maybe you'll get a record contract. Mm -hmm. But you can't count on those things. Right. Because there are so many people involved with making the decision to use you or not use you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're playing on a regular basis, somebody of substance might like you and sell you. Mm -hmm. You really, it really had tough to do it yourself. Right. So I've always had a regular day gig mm -hmm. and played on the weekends or played in the afternoon or whatever it is. The other thing about the senior circuit, the uh, senior living places is that New Year's Eve is over at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah, home I before mean, the crazies are yeah, driving. Yeah, I mean, yeah, your, your gigs ain't starting at 9. You yeah. Know, yeah, that's So funny, I yeah. recommend <laughs> the senior living circuit. That's funny, yeah. yeah and that, that that's a really interesting thing that you mentioned is that that's the stuff that we never think about of how many people have to like because I've, I've heard some people talk about that with um with movies right where you have like the executive producers got to sign off and then uh um whatever the uh not columbia records but the columbia records equivalent yeah. of movies has to sign off the, that director and then the ceo signs off and then the, you, the actual director and the director of photography right. and you have this whole bureaucracy of crap that has to say yes 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 and in a bar it's really like one person it's like the owner right you have your yeah. band on this local level well let's say you or, stop at a club that you know has mm -hmm. music and you give them your card and maybe a little slip of paper that right. says here's your background and why don't you bring us in for one night? Mm -hmm. If if we turn the audience on, maybe we can talk about some additional gigs. Right, right, right. Okay, that keeps it at a nice level that they can deal with. Sure. But take uh, Willie Nelson. Mm -hmm. I just finished reading his uh, biography. Mm -hmm. 40 years of gigging before he had one hit. 
40 years of gigging. Yeah, so he was pretty old, huh? Yes. By the time he got, oh, yeah. like, hit a good one. Yeah, 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 he, was yeah. So, he was over, he was 65. Wow. When he had his first big thing. Now, he was writing all through those years, because Crazy was written years ago. Right. But getting people to record your stuff and, and pay you for it was so difficult in those early years. Mm. It's unbelievable. So he did, he played for other people like you and I do. Right. And that's where the really music business is. Mm -hmm. But thinking about this fact that you're going to star mm -hmm. is really crazy. Mm -hmm. Because my wife used to tell me I wanted to be a star. I said, no, I want to be known mm -hmm. as somebody who can do this kind of stuff. Right. That's that's much more important. Yeah, it's 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 a different deal too. It's I mean, and then it's when like, I got the Duparto gig, then I was a star in Kansas City. Right, but only in Kansas. City. Right, right, and yeah, and that you you you've already talked a little bit about kind of setting setting your terms a little bit and setting the goal, and that that's something that I think a lot of people. I I'm bad at that too. You know, I'm just like well. I kind of play violin, and it would be nice to not lug boxes. That's the end of it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the end of the goal. Yeah. You know, I don't know anything, Pat. I don't know what the, you know, do I want to become the Aerosmith? Do I want to, you know, whatever? Do, or do I want to enter a, a, a band that is, like, able to get on a couple of festivals once a year? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, like that kind of, uh, I've talked about this in the show too, where you're at that band that is kind of at the $300 bar gig kind of level. Right. And then there's the kind of festival band where now you're up in this 800 1500 a gig where you're kind of traveling a little bit outside the city right. and you're getting to play for some decent-sized crowds. But you're and still working really hard. And you're still working hard and you're not near at that, you know, that next, no. you know, level, like the, what I just mentioned is maybe something like a Samantha Fish kind of level right now, where yeah. she's kind of pretty known. She and is she's, famous you know, in Kansas City. In Kansas City, right, yeah. Now, if mm. you can get comfortable with that and the money and live at that level mm. and maybe do some other things like teaching or right. something like that that's related to what you do. Mm. That's really what I've done with Full Voice, the vocal right. communication training for is that that supports me and allows me to do whatever else I want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah. It works. Yeah. And and so, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, and then you were also talking a little bit about networking before we start mm -hmm. and, and making sure, like, I mean, you and I met at an open jam, <laughs> right? right? You know, and, like, uh, I get the impression that Kansas City musicians in general want to meet you. That's yeah. what I get the impression of. I've heard, I've heard stories about New York where they're like, "Hi," <laughs> you know, because yeah. they don't want they don't want you to steal their gig. That's right. You know, but, but here, like everybody talks. Well, to this is a very you know? open town. Yeah. In fact, when I was with the convention and visitor bureau, I would bring the association managers into town to talk about bringing their meetings there, mm. and they would say things like. Well, I asked this cop how to get to this other hotel, and he took me by the hand. <laughs> they don't do that in New York. Right. Or L.A. or whatever. It's over there. <laughs> yeah. No, we're very open here. We are open to help each other, yes. Mm -hmm. So the networking is very important. 
The problem is, a lot of people don't know how to network well. They don't know how to market themselves. Mm -hmm. You need to put yourself out there and tell people what you do in a situation where people are wanting that information. Mm. Very important. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Like, um, I think I think my mom has talked to me about that before. Is that networking is one thing, but ne like you just said, networking to the actual people that want that are actually looking for you. That's right. You know, is is a big deal, and that was something that I that I'm still yeah. you know still definitely thinking and learning well, about. Well, just like I will go to these meetings of professionals in aging. These are folks that market the different senior living places mm -hmm. or provide care in the home or whatever that has to do with senior people. Well, and I introduce myself and they say, oh, well, I, wanna, I want you to meet my activities director. Right. Well, the activities director does all the booking. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that, they've taken you right in the back door. You don't have to fight your way in. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing of networking. Right. Because people will remember you if, you're, if you can say who you are. Just like, I'm Gary Gardner, I'm a professional musician, I'm a singing entertainer. Mm -hmm. My slogan, not, or that's not true, my, not my slogan, but people say that I'm the senior living heartthrob. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> the senior living heartthrob. That's too much, I can't handle that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I can handle it. Yeah, I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I can't remember if we've already said this on the show, but uh, did you? Because um, we were talking before, and you said, uh, "Who who does your your social media?" My daughter. Your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I I found that that because because we want to play music beautifully, and that's what we want as musicians. Our focus. Yeah. And I think there are some people that are really good at sitting there and yapping at people to network themselves like one-on-one, -on -one. Mm -hmm. but the whole internet thing, they're like, ugh, you know, I mean, they they think it's just gross because they right. don't want to do that stuff and they're not good at it, but well, what are they missing out on? Yeah, when you're 76 years old, you know, the, the internet is a little like this. Right. So what Amy does, that's my daughter, mm -hmm. is that she helps by causing the connection. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I do a posting, if I do a, a posting that I want people to see, she posts it. Mm -hmm. And if they respond, she takes the response, asks me what I'd like to say, and she says it for me. Right. It still accomplishes that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In effect, that's what employees do for a company. Mm -hmm. They have sp special skills that allow them to accomplish certain things that would be difficult for another person to do, mm. even if he's the boss, because he doesn't have the time. Right, right. So. And, and delineating, uh, you know, delineating responsibilities, I and mean, that that is really important because all of a sudden, you know, Justin Bieber, any any you know big name star, oh, yeah. you know, now, now that they're big enough, they can just you know go have other people and they do have it for to, it, and they have to because there's to. so much crap right. to get done. But they. <laughs> but that's really nice when you can get a so on like a local level with these four hundred dollar eight hundred dollar kind of bands where you can where you kind of have a little bit of name it is nice to get a a wife a daughter a you know friend or whatever that is yeah. good at, you know to kind of help you with that and, well and my daughter's yeah. an extremely good networking person on her own right 
So it isn't hard for her. Yeah. Now, if you're talking to somebody about doing this and they're tentative about it, you don't want to hire them. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we're we're just not good at that. Like, I mean, so, and um, my my dad talks about this. He'll come, he'll go like, this guy's website is trash. You know, I'll get on it and like, where are you playing? Like, where do you, you know, like... All right, I'm yeah. not seeing you, you know, and he's just, and, uh, and I understand, like, yeah. how annoying that is. In the, Stan, and Stan Kessler does a nice job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does a nice job. Yeah, I really like Stan a lot. I've seen, I've seen him, um, or I've heard him on uh, KKFI a lot, and I'm sure he, he does really good. I know nice. we've, I saw, you know, Sons of Brazil blasted everywhere, oh, you yeah. know, when he, yeah. when he was kind of going with them really hard. Um Talk a little bit about um, you and I have a mutual acquaintance with uh, Alan Monroe. Talk yeah. about Alan a little bit. Alan Monroe is one of these self-taught keyboardists mm-hmm. who just can play anything. We were out on a gig one night, and this woman came up and asked for Moonlight Sonata. Mm-hmm. He played it for her, mm-hmm. but Alan can't read music. <laughs> so when he right. was in the service, he wanted to join the Navy band. Or the Air Force Band, depending upon, I don't forget what air, what uh, service he was in. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't hire him because he couldn't read music, mm-hmm. even though he could play better than the other people who were playing. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing for Alan is that Alan listens to what's going on around him all the time. And he can tell how to arrange the piece of music that you're doing it doing at that time for the audience. Mm-hmm. He picks up these things. It's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And he plays this Roland, and he actually knows how to use the Roland. Oh, yeah. He can bring in the strings. He can bring in the girl singers. He can bring in, <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. <laughs> and the nice thing about Alan is he's very humble. Mm-hmm. What can I do to help you? So he's much in demand. Mm-hmm. And he can sit down there and play with anybody in town and make them sound better. Right. Yeah, I, I love the... I, I noticed this when I got into town that I, I noticed some people who had a lot of chops, but then I noticed some of the other guys, and Alan would not necessarily be in this category, but some of the blues guys, and I won't mention the names, but I noticed that they didn't have, you know, as insane a chops as some of the jazz guys. But my God, their calendar or their uh, um, their catalog was freaking enormous, right? Like Alan's right. is, right? I mean, they just know every single song, and I'm like, right. okay, who's better here? You know what I mean? It, it, better is a silly word, yeah. but I'm like, who's gonna get more gigs? Is a better way to look that's, at it, you know? That's the key. This guy, this guy is, you know, a is shredder your from hell. But, vast? But this guy can. Is it good? This guy's got 300 songs off the top of his head and then another 300 that he could hack through, you know, if somebody else was leading him. Easy, you know, and, and I, that just really impressed me, especially vocally, yeah. you know, because all of us musicians can kind of hack yeah. through a, a whole bunch of songs, but the guys that know all those yeah. freaking words. But the beauty of Alan is that if he's playing, oh, uh, something from the Peanuts, mm-hmm. The, the Schroeder stuff, mm-hmm. it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't sound like somebody trying to play it. Mm-hmm. Like Christmas this year. Sure, yeah, yeah. Christmas, you know. It's phenomenal stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so much of a pleasure to work with he. 
Mm-hmm. And then my other keyboardist is Don Warner, who is mm-hmm. out, out of sight also on the standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, I know you've, I've heard you do, like, like we were talking about that kind of old, old like 50s kind of stuff, you know, at jams. I've heard you, you do yeah. like some, like, uh, I think some Elvis stuff, you know, oh, like yeah. some, some right. uh, you know like and so like and now what you're talking about is can't help falling in love with you right <laughs> <laughs> but like it's funny because Alan is one of those players that you know he's not he's not like one of the beboppers that you'll hear down at the, at the blue room no but he knows quite a few jazz tunes like really hardcore jazz tunes and then he also knows kind of all of that old 50s kind of yes. the, the the crazies and you know that oh, yeah. those type of songs since i fell for you right and then some of the old uh and then and then for you it's kind of like you you obviously started in doing a lot of that country stuff mm-hmm. and then there's sort of those old rock tunes and then there's the sinatra yeah. stuff and there a lot of it especially the ballads are very similar yeah. you know but uh, where, where where i started with country was when it came in with what was referred to as rockabilly yeah right where you had well then that led right into rock and roll sure so yeah yeah i i find that uh, that's really useful and we've talked about this on the show a lot too is the guys that sort of that that hyper specialize or the guys maybe like Alan that have, have just over the last you know over the last 50 years of playing have gotten pretty broad with their yes. abilities and I think that was one thing that I at the beginning was frustrated with with myself because like I wasn't able to do anything really really great but you know when somebody throws a take the A train I can kind of handle it sure and then they throw me a country tune and I can kind of sound pretty country and then Ramblin' Man well rock you one know, of, the, can, one you of know. the songs we did at Starlight was for the good times right for the good times okay yeah, you yeah. were filling t- the, the entire right. time right because you could feel the mm. progression yeah. Right, and that's and, that's a talent. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it's it's a talent for people to do that. And I get, I guess, the question that I'm asking is what, because because we're, or I guess I'm saying that I admire Alan and these other people that mm-hmm. have a very very broad range of stuff. Now he's only doing two things: singing and then keyboard. Mm-hmm. A lot there's a lot of guys that kind of learn 19 instruments and they're yeah. kind of crappy on all of them all of them. you know, <laughs> you know and, and that that's, that's kind great. of the bro- the problem with the broadness is kind yeah. of what, what I'm trying to ask I guess is like what what do you think about people like specializing as opposed to broadening yourself well what's your opinion now you're talking that? about specializing like Alan does it well well yeah see he do, he does and he doesn't right I mean that's he specializes because he only plays one instrument first yeah. of all and then I mean, well, doesn't play if literally you can narrow everything. your fir- focus mm-hmm. on anything you're doing, you're going to be that much better. Sure. The broader you get, the more you are multitasking. Mm-hmm. Right. And as you and I both know, multitasking does not pay off on the long run. Mm-hmm. So the narrow that scope is much, much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, cause that's... 
because it's like two sides of the same coin. I mean, Alan, somebody like an Alan is, he, he's focusing because he's, he's talked to this kind of handful of people in town that are doing a lot of similar type stuff. But there's, for example, there's other guys that, that are blues guys and they, they've specialized on their harmonica, three, four chord blues tunes, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Plus, you know, they sound like every other harmonica player too. Yeah, and and there's there's even some jazz guys in town that uh, have gotten really good at that kind of beboppy, mm-hmm. you know, Latin, a tiny bit of funky stuff, but yeah. you know, swing Latin yes. ballad funk. But they hyper focus on jazz because they're like, screw that other stuff. I don't want to do that. I want to do this, mm-hmm. and so. But that's not what I meant by narrowing your focus. Mm. What I meant by narrowing your focus is what are you going after? Not necessarily this particular type of music. What kind of crowd are you going after? Mm. Work that crowd, expand from there. Mm. So, so you decided people, you're, you're 75 to 90 you were yes. talking about and then yes. you broaden this out to what they like. That's okay. exactly right. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with our band, for example, we, my buddy was like, Man, we gotta we gotta get more like twenty five to thirty five in here, and I'm like, well, you know, we're doing. Are they gonna buy this or not? We're we're doing we're doing Eagles and Doobie Brothers, and we do it really well, and that's our thing. Seventies, mm-hmm. you know, seventies right. music. I'm like, and maybe then we as a stick. new music comes in that's similar to what you're doing, mm-hmm. you expand to that. Yeah, and it it opens your scope, but mm-hmm. you're still shooting Focus. for that. Yeah particular area and that's interesting yeah that's cool man um i don't know we're probably uh probably wrapping up what what else what else you got what else you thinking about right now i'd like a little more water a little more water (laughs) you're running out running out what do you okay last last question good tell me uh Tell me a really crazy moment in the music business you've had, or the or your best gig you've had, or the most horrible gig, and it and you learn best, something from it, or like best gig, like a gig story. Tell me a gig story. Oh wow, there's so many. Um, well, I think when I started playing with Tony's orchestra, mm-hmm. I was very tentative because I had not worked in big band before. Mm-hmm. And luckily, the keyboardist was Carol. Isn't this terrible? You'll, you'll lose your mind. Mm. Carol Lewis. Carol Lewis. Dr. Carol Lewis from the Raytown School District. Mm-hmm. He was the arranger and he was into jazz education. Mm-hmm. He could put together a chart that made me sound good. Mm-hmm. And then I got the courage to do more and more of it. And then we could do it, I could do any song, and we just bring a trombone or a trumpet in or something right. like that. And that made it all easy. But that was that was very difficult at the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, what, what was it, just the confidence? It was or a was lack it... of experience working with big band. Mm-hmm. Because there's, you'll be singing and they'll go, mm-hmm. and if you're not ready for that, right. it's takes you off your yeah is it what was it the the staying the kind of the kind of listen but block it yes, kind of thing you know exactly. like that that we all have I to I had do, to listen right? for the melody mm. not the background mm. 
Now, everybody's played in a small group. Right. And was that like a regular sized big band with yeah, a, you know, four, 12, 13 four, four and then, and then yeah, yeah, the four, four, yeah. four trumpets, four yeah. trombones, five saxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rhythm section, yeah, et cetera. Rhythm yeah, section. right. Yeah, because that that's a tricky that's a tricky thing. I deal with that with students all the time, mm-hmm. especially when we're doing by ourselves. Because most of their most of them are are an orchestra, you know, so they're sure. used to playing with a big group. And but when we get into quartet, you know, or do or a duet kind of situations, I'm like, you you've got to listen, but you've got to completely like go tunnel vision in, yes. in a weird way, you know, like what you're saying. Yeah. It's, well, it's if a I'm singing skill. the melody, I can't listen to the harmony. Yeah. Right. But it's all part and parcel of the same thing. Mm. Without it, it doesn't sound as good. Right. So you have to get used to both ends of that. Right. But so I love the harmony now. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, singing with some, you know, two or three part harmony oh, yeah. is, is really like fun. It. Yeah. Like, so, so you're listening to more rhythm then? Yes. Is sort of what you're listening yes. for and blocking the... Right. Is, yeah. I'll give you an example. When I sing with Mama Ray on a Saturday afternoon over at BB's, mm-hmm. and we'll sometimes do what we call the triad instead of the duet. Right. It'll be Mama and Alan and I will mm-hmm. sing. Well, you have to listen to one another. And the lead, which I'm usually doing the lead, we'll be doing something like a Righteous Brothers tune or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. You really have to listen. But then, as you listen, you were enjoying it more and more and more, and it's coming together, and the audience is going like this. Mm-hmm. They're really getting it. It's fabulous. Right. Yeah, and I've noticed that with my band. I've been doing a lot of background singing with my band, and I'm usually kind of the bass voice. And now, now that we've gotten our drummer, and he's going up, mm. you know, so we've got middle, middle, high, low, and and it's. Uh, you're right. I mean, you've kind of got to, you know, you can kind of feel. You know, once you start singing mm-hmm. a lot, and I'm not quite, quite where somebody else is, like my grandfather who sang for 60 years. You know, where he can feel if he's in tune or not. Oh yeah. You know, just yeah. like now, I can definitely feel if I'm third finger. I mean, I don't even have to look or know. I know of I'm course. in tune. Of course. You know, and and but with singing. But I'm, see, that's the knowing that I was talking about sure, earlier. Yeah. When you play from your knowing, or sing from your knowing, or talk from your knowing, mm-hmm. you are grounded. Right. And your awareness knows that yeah. you're there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think anymore. Right. And that's, that's where I, I, I know what you mean about the kind of blocking out the other, you know, the person going up the third because you're like, oh, no, that's his note. You know, and you mm-hmm. say, if you're not used to your note, you start singing his, you know, yes. and stuff. And like, or, or going and you, all of a sudden you realize, oh, oh, no, I'm on melody right now. You know, I just yeah. sang melody. Stop it. That's right. That's right. That's a bad rub. Yeah. No, um, but, uh, well, cool, man. Um, one more time, uh, tell them your two things you're doing. What was your uh, okay. business? The yeah. band is called Gary Gardner and In Full Swing mm-hmm. because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Swing. Mm-hmm. From the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and then beyond that, the better music that was coming out in those different de- mm-hmm. decades. And then... My day gig, three to three days a week, I am helping people speak better with my company Full Voice. I'm a vocal communication trainer. Mm-hmm. I help people sound like they know what they're saying. That's and awesome, I guarantee man. the work, which is yeah, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, and it's six one-hour sessions. 
over a two month period. After that, they don't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. And they go, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, Gary, thanks for coming in, man. Let me put my water down. That was really fun. Pleasure, Rob. Yeah, yeah, that Always. was fun. So nice come, to be with come you. check out his band, and uh, he, uh, you have some uh, questions about uh, about speaking. Oh, do you want me to give a telephone number? Uh, well, maybe we'll put a link. Oh, can that be good? Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be good. But uh, go uh, go go find him on uh, social media and all that, and uh, we'll be back next time uh, on Casey Music Talk, talking to more musicians. So um, get out of here. We're done. See you later.